the R&B Solutionist Thinking Podcast Series for the creative minds with a passion for possibility. Hosted by Bruce Whitfield. Today's guest is Katleho Mapai, who is the co-founder and chief executive of Yoko. Those are those little devices that you see in flea markets and in other places that don't want to have the big point of sale devices that you might see in a supermarket. And Yoko was founded by four friends. They wanted to address what they called the pain points that small businesses face when trying to get a card machine. They've got more than 38,000, close to 40,000 merchants today. And the company has raised millions to support small business in the country. We were not comfortable with the status quo in the country. Just a culture of exclusion. You know, those people can have those kinds. There was something not sitting well with us. We had good careers and we just wanted to make a dent. And in the end, we really see Yoko as a platform to enable people to thrive. We felt like this was the platform that we could use to really tap into this purpose. And it's been fantastic seeing that actually manifest. I'm Bruce Whitfield and you're listening to RMB Solutionist Thinking. As we talk, at we're in the middle of load shedding. It's yet another problem for small business. But you came to this idea out of the cell phone industry, the four of you, uh, there is you. You've got your mates that came with you from the cell phone industry, Bradley Watrous, Carl Ways, and Longiso Matsoba. And you came to get out of the cell phone industry to solve essentially a financial services problem. Yeah. Explain. We're an unusual team, quite diverse, uh, both in terms of our backgrounds. Um, Carl and I uh, were consultants in the mobile uh, telecom space for many years. Uh, Bradley's an actuary coming more out of the risk space and Lungisa um, out of the technology space, but doing a lot of work on uh, apps um, even before smartphones. So we never would have expected that this unusual background would crack um, a problem in payments. And ultimately what we saw was with a mobile phone, uh, you could walk in uh, to a Vodafone, uh, Vodacom, MTN or whatever, fill in a form, get a SIM card and a device and start transacting on the same day. Yet with the card machine, uh, you had a completely different experience. Uh, you had to call in, you had to set up an appointment, somebody had to come see you, and you know it could take weeks before you could actually start accepting transactions if you were given permission too, right? So quite arduous and difficult. And I guess just coming from it at it from a fresh lens, we just couldn't. It didn't make any sense to us. Um, and I guess through that lens, we challenged a bit of the status quo. We sped things up and. We were able to get that onboarding process down to minutes. Uh, you know, you sign up online. Um, we ver- do all the verification digitally in the background low, in a low-cost way. And we ship you the reader within 48 hours. So completely flipping um, the model of access uh, on its head. What was the genesis of the idea? I mean, here you are, four people from four completely different but complementary disciplines in a startup. Um, coming together, what was the idea? Were you at a market one day and you couldn't buy the milk? What was it? So it's, it's really, there's two strands to the story. There's the forming of the team um, and then there's the idea itself. Uh, and in terms of the idea, we'd seen the business model um, in the US. So uh, Square, which pioneered our space, they uh, launched in 2010. Um, and I got to see one of their products in early 2011. I was back in San Francisco again, uh, 2012, uh, saw the product really proliferating. But it wasn't until um, an old childhood friend took me into this hole-in-the-wall barbecue eatery and this African-American lady, um, you know, brought out the food. There was no till, nothing on the countertop um, and asked my friend how he wanted to pay and I was completely confused. I assumed it was a cash-only place. 
Um, and, you know, she uh, took out this old Android device uh, stuck in this white little dongle that could read cards. She took his card, swiped it, he signed with his finger, and just, like, light bulbs, right? Um, small business, good product, nothing much else. Now this lady was able to accept a dig- digital payment, a higher basket size. My perception of hers uh, as, a, as a merchant had completely changed because she, she had digitized. So... I'd seen the technology, but it was only at that moment that I fully understood its impact um, on, on small business. So that's one strand to the story. The other strand to the story was really, you know, four friends uh, who met over different stages of life. Um, Lungi and I knew each other when we were kids. We reconnected at university. Carl and I used to work at the same consulting firm together. Bradley and I met at Rocket Internet, which is a, you know, a German uh, venture capital uh, incubation fund for online startups. We met lots of mis- uh, respect. We wanted to work together. Um, and, you know, we looked at lots of different mis- business models, but we kept on circling back to this, especially when we saw the gap in South Africa. Was the commonality between you payments? Was there one element of commonality? Or was the commonality is we can actually do something special? We don't know what it is. Yeah, exactly. But let's do something. Literally, that were, the, the, the team came together before the idea. Um, and that was the commonality. The commonality was the purpose, to be honest. So, we were not comfortable with the status quo um, in, in the country, uh, just a culture of exclusion. You know, those people can have those can't. Um, and, you know, we just were not comfortable. It was something not sitting well with us. We had good careers um, and we just wanted to make a dent. And in the end, like, uh, we really see Yoko as a platform to enable people to thrive. Huh? And we looked at lots of different things and we felt like this was the platform that we could use to really tap into this purpose and it's been fantastic seeing that actually manifest. It addresses so many problems in a country like South Africa where cash is very, very high risk and people want to carry less and less of it and people are doing that and they either will have a a snap scan on a phone um, or they will carry cards and the vast majority of people with money have access to cards and, and payments. So you are able to address that need. They, you don't need to carry cash. You can go to this market and you can t- take just your card. But something also changes in our brains when we're not spending cash. Exactly. We tend to spend, spend more. Yep. more. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's interesting. Um, we, we figured out that like there's actually a general distribution problem into small business. They're small, they're fragmented, they're not really syndicated by anything, they're difficult to reach. And as a result, like, there's just a lack of products being developed specifically for small business and distributed into small business. Through digital, um, uh, social media, uh, all these platforms, we're able to reach these businesses at scale. And also through digital, we're able to support them at scale. And now, um, you know, we've solved this first problem, which is payments. And that's a massive problem, right? Um, if you're not able to accept a digital payment, as you say, uh, you're not getting access to higher spending customers, higher quality customers, um, and your ability to grow is completely impeded. And, and your customers also. I mean, if you've at the end of the market day and there's a hundred bucks left in your wallet and there's a hundred and fifty bucks worth of goods on the table, exactly. the vendor's got a choice. They either give you the hundred and fifty bucks worth of stuff for a hundred and maybe break even on the product exactly. just to get rid of the stock. Exactly. But now suddenly you've got the capacity to spend the extra 50. Exactly. And it it unlocks, it creates revenue, creates growth. And this starts to unlock other things. Um, 
all of a sudden, you know, because we had to build software to interact with our card readers, um, we built this interface that's become invaluable to our merchants. Um, you know, it's a point of sale software. Uh, beyond that, they're able to, you know, see what's going on with their businesses through our business portal and the analytics. So we never fully appreciated what payments could unlock. So it solves an immediate problem and gives you access to growth. But through the type of product that we had to build, we had to get into software and we're able to now support businesses more on the back end. And we're now also offering uh, uh, working capital off this payment data, right? Because we see how the businesses are performing, how they're transacting. So we're getting a real-time view into uh, into credit scoring. So it's super exciting. Um, this is really just the beginning for us. I think we're, our goal is to build a, uh, an open commerce ecosystem around uh, these small businesses where, you know, it's our products, um, it's our platform that's supporting them, but we're also going to be opening up the platform to other third parties who want to get into small business but didn't quite have the distribution before. So I think for us, um, at a philosophical level, we want to challenge um, the current status quo on how business is being done, where, you know, things are closed off, you have walled gardens, and, you know, you can have and you can't. We want to break that off completely. And a lot of small businesses right now are feeling vulnerable, particularly a small business. Your margins are small. You don't have much flexibility. You don't have much of a cushion. To have business systems built that you can tap into Correct. I means you're not in a franchise model, but you've got the same benefits of being part of a franchise model where your business exactly. can be systematized. Exactly. So we're just trying to give these folks time, right, uh, to focus on growth and not dealing with administration and, and these repetitive tasks. And like also the basic things in business, we really feel technology can take care of. Um, but you're right. I think... We're going through a tough time now as an economy. Um, small businesses are going to feel the pinch, and we need to give them as much help as we can. You are in this space. You are gathering an extraordinary amount of data, and you release regular reports in which you say, this is what you don't understand about small business. A lot of people, for example, believe that people are happy to be in survivalist businesses, that they're happy to make just enough to squeak by with perhaps enough money to buy stock tomorrow, whatever it might be. Yeah. What you're learning is something fundamentally different, that actually our inbuilt human nature is all of us want to succeed. We all want to grow. We all want to be better off tomorrow than we are today. And you are able to bust myths using the data that you gather. Yes. Uh, This is uh, incredibly exciting for us. Um, We call it challenging the stereotypes around small business. And... You know, one of the stereotypes that we're challenging is that these businesses want to stay under the table. No, <laughs> uh, they want to they want to grow. Right. Um, uh, we're also seeing, you know, in one of our last reports, um, one that we released at the end of last year. Um, we found that the majority of the businesses that we surveyed um, expected to generate uh, uh, um, additional profits within the next period. They also expected to hire more people. So we saw a growth story despite, uh, um, you know, a flat economic climate. And what we're also excited about is we're seeing that the smallest investment into these small businesses has a multiplying effect. And what's even more amazing is that this stays within the community. It's not centralized. Um, so small business is fundamental to this country for employment and also just ensuring that uh, uh, wealth starts to develop within communities, which is what's required.
I've been lucky enough to visit your offices in uh, Short Market Street in Cape Town. You've taken over four floors of a building. You employ 130-odd people. Um, yeah, 120. It'll be 130 by the time people hear this. Uh, the point is you yourselves, as a small business, have taken the leap of faith. How hard was it to do the South African startup? It was tough. Um, you know, a lot of folks don't know that it took us a year to get a, a license to operate. Um, we had to find a sponsor bank and convince them, um, and we were quite fortunate in terms of how we were able to structure that. It's given us a lot of st- control um, and ability to innovate. And then it took another year to build up all the systems and the product, right? So it was almost two years before we uh, did our first live transaction. Now, that's taught us immense uh, patience, um, and it's also taught us to think very long-term, and I think it's a big part of our story. But, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, self-management uh, over that process, and I haven't even spoken about fundraising, right? So mm. there's been lots of layers, but to be honest, you know what's kept us going um, and, like, just lit a fire uh, under us? It's just we have a deep sense of purpose, right? Uh, this notion that, like, when we succeed, small business succeeds. It's really that simple. And when small business succeed, communities succeed. When communities succeed? Exactly. The country. Mm. So, you know, when when you're ignited by such a purpose, um, you don't see barriers, right? You just see things you want to break through because the stakes are so high. And, you know, it's five years in for me and my partners. Um, we're talking about the next five years with a lot of excitement and even more. So we feel unconstrained at the moment um, and we want to continue pushing and we're really, really excited about this venture. Tell me about funding because at the beginning of any startup, it's friends, fools, family, yes. you, you're bootstrapping, you're doing everything that you need to do. Did any of you sort of hold on to your day jobs as long as possible in order to get this thing started or did you just all dive in head first? Dive in head first. Um, not we, very smart, perhaps. No, not particularly. <laughs> you, need, you need to be a little bit crazy to do this yeah. stuff, right? Uh, you need to be a bit crazy to, uh, um, you know, pursue a, a, a license that you know, like in month 10 um, of the process, uh, you could have been rejected and all your time could have been waited. But it all just links back to the purpose. Like we were so driven um, we really wanted to make this happen. And... It's just um, being excited, seeing this effort uh, push through. And from a funding perspective, it's quite an interest, interesting journey for us. Um, you know, there's a big angel family office um, uh, contingent to Yoko that really helped us through our first days. It took us a while to get to institutional capital. Um, and the reason here is that uh, we knew um, that if we didn't get access to the right institutional capital, there's no ways we would ever get to our uh, ambitious goals, right? Um, and we would ultimately constrain ourselves. Uh, I keep telling other founders this, that who you take on as partners in your business from a financing perspective is fundamental. Like, uh, it's you're inviting somebody into your home that you can't ask to leave, <laughs> right? Um, and if you invite the wrong person... Um, well, you might eventually have to leave. It's really, that's what's at stake here. So we were super patient. We wanted to find the right partners, um, and we got quite fortunate. Timing allowed for a context where high-quality fintech investors who were starting to look at the continent um, were starting to come into play. And if I look at our two um, uh, lead investors from uh, our Series A and our Series B, 
um, both these funds had just raised, you know, hundred million uh, dollar plus funds to invest um, in in, in uh, uh, ventures across the continent. So there's no doubt that we've benefited from uh, uh, timing and and luck. I always say there was no term fintech when we started the company, right? True. So um, yeah, we hope to continue being lucky. Um, and uh, to continue growing. Uh, you say it's so important when you choose your partners, your funding partners, inviting a guest into your home you can never get rid of unless you leave. In the same way as getting into business with three friends, people you like, people you respect, people you're going to get to know differently, yep. that's also can be exciting. Speaking to GT Ferreira, Paul Harris, and Laurie right. Dippenard in yep. season one, yep. I said, wasn't there, didn't you ever feel like breaking up? And he said, no, we're too much like a marriage. You'd never think about breaking up. Exactly. Murder sometimes, exactly. yes, exactly. but never breaking up. Exactly. No, um, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, the fact that Carl, Lungi, uh, Bradley, and I, uh, you know, sit next to each other, um, we're still together, and we still dream about the future, Um is a massive asset uh, to our business. We've had lots of tough moments, lots of up, ups and downs, but having that extra uh, sense of relationship and a higher sense of um, uh, m- there being more at stake than just the company has just kept the bonds incredibly strong. Um, and yeah, I still think it's the secret source behind our company is the fact that we're still together. Um, and and nobody can afford to leave yet. <laughs> That's the brutal reality. Yeah, but, you know, it's also the fact that um, we came together before the idea, right? So, mm-hmm. um, in a way, uh, our relationship as founders, as directors, as uh, co-founders um, almost supersedes the idea. And what that's allowing is when we think about the future and where we can take the company, we're not constrained by the idea. And I think that's really what keeps the energy going. This week's solution is thinker Katejo Mapai, one of four co-founders of Yoko, a great South African innovation, which is just the start of a journey into helping small businesses become big businesses, just like Yoko intends to do when it grows up too. Katejo Mapai. R&B, solution is thinking. For more on this series, visit 702.co.za.